You're listening to an exclusive podcast series brought to you by Wired for Wonder, a proud innovation by Combank and The Moment HQ. Prepare yourself as we take you on an eye-opening journey to ignite your curiosity, foster wonderment, and send inspiration bustling through your veins. Hello and welcome to the Wide for Wonder and the Moment HQ podcast. I'm your host, Monica Cade. Joining me today is Leonard Brody. He was called a controversial leader of the New World Order. He is an award-winning entrepreneur, venture capitalist, best-selling author, and two-time Emmy-nominated media visionary. He has helped in raising millions of dollars for startup companies, has been through one of the largest internet IPOs in history, and has been involved in building, financing, and or the sale of five companies to date. So let's dive in. Hi, Leonard. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. So take me back to your childhood. What was your outlook on life like at that time? Uh, you know, I lived a bit of a weird existence, I guess. I came from a single parent family where I was raised by my mom in a, uh, you know, my parents were divorced quite young. So we were in an unusual situation where I started working very young. You know, I started, I did my schoolwork like everyone else would do, but I was also working from the time I was about 11, 12 years old to sort of help support the family. So it was, I guess, by kid standards, a little bleak, but by life lesson and, and, you know, learning what you needed to know to be a good adult, it was pretty helpful. Mm -hmm. Did you have any siblings? Yeah, I have a uh, full sister in uh, who's about five years older than me that lives uh, in Calgary, and then I have a stepbrother and stepsister who I've have been in my life since I was three, four years old. So both of them are uh, here in Vancouver. Oh, awesome! And so you mentioned that you felt that from a childhood perspective, it was a little bleak. Did you feel like you were missing out on certain things as being a kid because you had to work? Yeah, I mean, I think kids generally feel like they're missing out on things regardless. So, I mean, even the kids in the best scenarios, it's the nature of kids to be feeling like you're missing out on something. So I I would say I definitely did. I I was, well, other kids had a bit more time to, to sort of explore. I was, if I wasn't in school or doing homework or playing sports, I was pretty active in, in competitive hockey and soccer. Mm-hmm. I didn't have the time to do the other things, the exploratory things that kids did because I was working a lot. So on the one hand, I, I felt like I, I was losing out on certain things. But as I look back on it now, I'm very, I'm actually quite grateful for the way I was brought up because I think without it, I look at some similarly situated kids I grew up with who are a bit more lost and less motivated uh, than they should be. And so I'm kind of grateful for having had that opportunity. Mm. As a child, who did you want to become? Uh, <laughs> you mean like like a superhero? <laughs> Maybe. Um, more so like was the, did you have a dream uh, career or was there something that you dreamt of becoming as you grew up? Yeah. You know, I, I had a mentor in my life from a distance who was my, uh, my uncle, a gentleman named Israel Asper. And he was one of the great entrepreneurs, uh, I would say, in North American history, but certainly Canadian history. And I, I really looked at his life and, and sort of said, I want to do that. I want to I build. I want to have an impact on the community. I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to have 
the freedom, I guess, to really to really have the ability to build what I wanted to build. I never was interested in having a job. Mm-hmm. So I think I had looked at Izzy and Israel Asper and sort of said, he had the right idea. It was to go out and to build and to do something successful and to have control over your own destiny. And that that was really what I had wanted more than anything. It wasn't about money. It wasn't about career. It was about freedom. Do you feel that having had a job at a young age gave you that contrast early on to be able to, to recognize that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, when you're, when you're working that young and you are carrying responsibility, you realize the connection between life and freedom Mm. And it became super prevalent and super important to me. Mm -hmm. And how old were you at this time when you were working? Well, I started uh, having a part-time job when I was 11. Okay. So I sold donuts door to door. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And then you could legally work in Alberta at that time where I grew up. You could work at the age of 13. So I was illegally working from like 11 and 12. And then when I was 13, I became a busboy. Like the one thing a 13-year-old can do without getting into trouble. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. Tell me, what has the entrepreneurial path taught you about yourself? Well, I I think it's taught me a mix of good and bad, frankly. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it's taught me that I'm completely and utterly unemployable, first and foremost. I I also think it's taught me that I am much better focused on the 100,000-foot view of things than I am on the details or in the weeds of it. Even though as I'm a lawyer by training, but even as a lawyer, I'm, I'm fairly good at those details. But because I'm good at them doesn't mean I enjoy them or it's the best use of my time. So I, I think as an entrepreneur, you have to be, you have to be intellectually and emotionally honest with yourself about what your skill sets are and what you're good at doing and what you're shitty at doing. And, and, and for me, I am best at a strategic directional level around growth than I am worrying about, you know, the dialing of the knobs and the testing of everything in the operational capacity that just has proved out for me. And tell me, what inspires you most about what you do? And I know you do a number of different things, but in general, what is it that you love? Uh, You know, again, I don't want to go back to the same thing, but the truth is what I love about what I do, I think it's easy for people to say, I love the people and I love the intellectual stimulation and I love the building stuff. Like those are all true and they're all very obvious. But the thing that I love most about what I do is the freedom, is the mm-hmm. is the ability to pick and choose the things I want to work on, to be able to choose how I spend my time. I, I think that is, in life, the ultimate luxury. I mean, freedom is the ultimate luxury, the ability to make those choices. And you can't make those choices until you understand the kind of life you want to lead for yourself. And that, for me, has had many implications around family. And, you know, I, I don't have children, for example. So that changes my freedom profile pretty substantially also. So, so I think all the usual cliched answers you would get in this regard, mm. like that, that I've laid, you know, that I said earlier are true, but it really, for me, boils down much more to freedom. Maybe there's other people out there who are dreaming of having that freedom in their lives. What would you suggest to them? Because for myself, mm. I don't believe that the entrepreneurial path is what everyone is suited for. So if someone is looking for more freedom in their life and maybe they're not an entrepreneur, what would you suggest to them? Yeah. I mean, I I think the, the answer is really dependent. Like 
if you're taking the entrepreneurial journey, there's what I would call the great dichotomy of entrepreneurship, which is, on the one hand, your success is predicated by an incredible amount of work. Mm. But it also produces the ability to have a lot of freedom if you choose to capture it and and utilize it. Mm -hmm. So I think the entrepreneurial path is one way to do that. I think the other path for people that, because I agree with you, I don't think everyone can be an entrepreneur. In fact, I really believe the world is divided into entrepreneurs and everyone else and Mm -hmm. and people are workers and and the world needs both. Mm -hmm. You you need to have both. You can't have a bunch of entrepreneurs and people who just... (laughs) You know, don't want to do stuff, you know, (laughs) don't want to be the workers in an organization or the staff. So, I mean, I I, I think that when you're trying to divine freedom, you have to determine what freedom means to you. Is it financial freedom? Is it freedom of time, freedom to travel, freedom to spend time with family? I think those are all personal questions. And I think you just have to be very clear with yourself about what it is you need to do. Like, do I want to be able to live? I live a life now where I can, generally speaking, if I get a phone call that says, hey, we need you to be on a plane to come to Mexico tomorrow morning for a meeting, I can do that. Mm-hmm. I can do that in my work life, in my personal life. But that's not for everyone. You know, mm-hmm. that, that's, that's not something you want to design necessarily in, in, in your life. And it has positives and negatives for sure. Mm-hmm. So I think you, the, the path to freedom is paved with being very clear about what it is that you need and what are the things that you want to be able to have deep, positive choice capability and alternatives in your life. So some of the listeners might be thinking, oh, I would love to be able to hop on a plane and go attend a meeting, you know, just tomorrow. What have you given of yourself in order to be in a place that you can do that now? I think the biggest thing I've given up is family, is children. I don't mean families in my, you know, my extended family because I see a lot of my uh, my extended family and my, you know, my my sisters and stepbrother and stepsister and cousins and all that. I see a lot of, but I think the biggest thing I gave up was having my own children, mm-hmm. and that was a big sacrifice. It is a big sacrifice because I wasn't one of those people who hated kids and didn't want to have kids. And there's a lot of people that just don't want kids. Mm. Um, I I was always torn because I actually really like kids. I really see the um, value of having them in your life. And I I don't want to misrepresent it to say it was a huge sacrifice because Mm. I made the choice and it's not like it keeps me up at night, Um, but it was a sacrifice. You know, it definitely was. Yeah, of course. So tell me, you obviously face challenges on various days. How do you respond to high stress situations? You know, I would say in all honesty that stress management is probably my, my like superpower. <laughs> <Woo-hoo>. <laughs> uh, I, I'm not particularly that bright, but I am pretty good at managing stress. Mm-hmm. And and, the, and and everyone, again, it's a kind of classic entrepreneurial cliche. Everyone will tell you, well, I work out and I have hobbies and, you know, I don't, or I meditate. I don't do any of that. I don't really, I don't really work out a ton. I don't really have a ton of hobbies and I definitely don't meditate. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think for me, stress management has come, uh, and this is again going to sound very weird, but I, I come from a family of Holocaust survivors and victims. Mm -hmm. And I was raised in a culture where 
on a daily basis, I was reminded of the details and intricacies of, you know, what is one of the greatest atrocities in human history. And because I lost a lot of family, but also had a lot of family that survived that was very close to me to talk about it, as well as I spent a lot of time studying it academically, um, that's a pretty low common denominator to bounce stuff off of. And I, I remember I had a relationship, a personal relationship with a woman who, you know, had, had a lot of complaints about a lot of things. And I, I remember thinking about that, about my own complaining and my own stress. Mm-hmm. And I kind of devised this saying, which is when something's bad or stressful, you need to ask yourself, is it Auschwitz bad? Aww. And if it, is, if it is an Auschwitz bad, don't worry about it. That is awesome. <laughs> That's so true. It is a we. I think too, so often in life we can get so caught up in the things that don't matter, and it's stories like that that just put things into perspective. Because we do live at a time where we are very blessed with technology, and you know the things that that has brought through health and education and everything. And yeah, it's, that is such a beautiful reminder. Yeah. So, so that is how I manage stress. I I try to use that as a benchmark and I try to keep myself grounded against the realities of my circumstance, which is we are living in an era today where we are probably the luckiest, luckiest human beings to ever live on this planet in terms of the abundance we have around freedom and work time and technological enablement and healthcare. And I mean, we are, we are very lucky. So, so for me, I don't do any of the traditional stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I, <laughs> I just remember the Holocaust and I'm good. <laughs> Fantastic. I love it. This might actually be tied into this last question. So if it is, that's okay. If you have an off day, what do you do? You, you know, I, I have a lot of off days, first mm-hmm. of all, like, mm-hmm. I and and I hate entrepreneurs who are not honest. Like I, I I hate entrepreneurs who are salespeople who are like everything is great and things are wonderful. Like I have a lot of shitty days, mm. and I would say I probably get said no to or make more mistakes by noon every day than most people do in a week. You know, like I I'm consistently failing and consistently having stressful shitty days. So I, I think the first thing is. You got to be open about it and admit it uh, Mm -hmm. in terms of its volume. But I think for me, really only two things kind of work, sadly. Uh, One, for me, one thing is I try to stay close to friends, very close friends and family. Mm -hmm. And I try to be vocal about the stuff that's on my mind and talk it out. Mm -hmm. So if my friends get a phone call from me and and they hear I'm stressed, they know I'm about to unload on them. (laughs) Um, and the second, actually, actually there's three things I do quite frankly, that's one. Okay. Um, I think the second thing that I do is I, uh, watch a lot of TV cause I, I really need to escape. I like my brain needs to turn off. And one of the few things that helps my brain turn off is watching great episodic television mm-hmm. or movies. Yeah. Um, and the third thing I do, which again, not a lot of people talk about, but I would really deeply encourage is, is I go to therapy. I see, you know, a uh, psychiatrist very regularly to talk about work stress and life stress. And it gives you a forum, you know, managing stress and managing off days is an art form 
like anything else is. And it's a skill set that you have to sharpen. And, you know, having spent time with a therapist dealing with that over the last few years has really, really helped. I mean, it's just been a great release. Mm. I so appreciate that answer because as we were talking earlier, you don't get to see a lot of the behind the scenes. And I love that you're honest about it and you don't sugarcoat it and say that, oh no, everything's fine. And I also like that, you know, you have a therapist because I think with some people, there is that stigma around that, but really going to chat to someone that is not your immediate family or your friend is such a wonderful opportunity because it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you. It's just simply being able to have a conversation that you probably wouldn't have with someone that you do know quite well. I actually think it's weird. I, I'm the polar opposite. I think it's weird. When, I think it's weird when people don't see a therapist. I think it's. I, I, I think it's the equivalent of vitamins, mental vitamins. Like mm. if you tell me, if somebody says to me, "I'm in a stressful job or my relationship is stressful," and they don't have a therapist in some way, to me that's just weird. Like that's that's much weirder than not having one. Mm-hmm. In my view, I think it's it's the norm that people should have one, yeah. and whether you go see them once a week or once a month or whatever. But that's it's an important skill set that you got to be good at. Mm. That's awesome. I love that. So just before we finish off, I've got a couple of signature questions for you. Sure. If you could have another career and attempt anything, what would you like to attempt? I would say, I I would say politics. Okay. I would say, and, I, and I've brushed, I've had a little minor brush with, with a political career in past. Um, but I've said too many bad things and written too many uh, horrible texts and emails that I could never actually run for office. <laughs> but I would really love to be in a position where you can impact society in a, in a really deep way by making substantive changes to just ridiculous ways government interfaces with our lives. And so for me, the political sphere is something that I would be interested in, but probably never, ever do. Mm -hmm. Okay. Awesome. And tell me, what do you like to do for fun? I've been asked that question before and Mm -hmm. I don't have a great answer to tell you the truth. Like (laughs) I'm not that fun of a guy. (laughs) I'm I'm not like, again, a lot of entrepreneurs into extreme sports and biking and, you know, flying planes. I I just like to sleep. Yeah. Uh, Like I'm, I'm busy all the time. And and for me, like downtime is very valuable and I don't need to fill my downtime with activities. I I like to fill my downtime with downtime. So, you know, for me, fun is like getting the opportunity to sit on a couch and catch up on reading or, read about stuff that is leisure reading. Like I'm a big history buff and I'm really interested in, uh, particularly the history of Israel and Jewish history and, and, you know, my background. And so that's a luxury for me. And I think the other thing I like to do to have fun is I just like to see as many friends and family as I can see. Mm, That's a perfect answer. I, I think, you know, I ask that question because not to find some sort of big kind of extreme sports answer, but it's just interesting to know, you know, cause we're all different and we all use our time differently. So that was great. Okay. Cool. Tell me, what do you believe is your greatest asset? 
good question. Well, it definitely isn't my height. Um, <laughs> I, I, I would say my, my greatest asset is probably I am a good communicator, I think. Mm-hmm. I think I'm a fairly good convincing communicator. That, that I would think that is my strongest suit. I'm not particularly that bright. I'm not particularly that technically inclined. I, I think I just learned how to hustle at a really young age. Mm-hmm. And when you learn how to hustle at a young age, you got to be really solid at communicating. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's, I'm not saying, by the way, I'm a perfect communicator. I have lots of things that I could do a hell of a lot better. Um, but I would say that's probably one of my strong suits. Okay. And my last question for you, what are you afraid of? I'm really, uh, this is a God's honest truth answer. I am really afraid of death and have been afraid of death since I was a little kid. Mm -hmm. Death, the concept, because I am a horrible control freak. And so the ultimate form of loss of control is death. Yeah. So I I used to have nightmares as a kid about being buried alive and dying. and, And I still get, I would say a lot of my, uh, Thinking time alone is spent thinking about death and the meaning of death and the meaning of, and I guess thereby the meaning of the life or the path you have to lead before you get to death. Mm-hmm. But the concept of death freaks me out. Do you feel that in contemplating death, like you just mentioned, that it's made it easier at all? No. Mm. No, I think it's I think it's made it much more complicated <laughs> for me because... I question things a lot more and, uh, you know, I'm not a particularly religious guy, but, but I am, I am, you know, I'm Jewish and I'm of Jewish faith and I'm definitely a God fearing theist. So I I don't go to synagogue every Saturday and I don't keep kosher and I don't keep Shabbat, but I certainly think about it a lot. And I certainly think about, you know, and have lots of conversations with rabbis and others about life decisions. And am I, am I making good decisions? And am I, you know, what, what have I got to do to get into the next level? You know, like, what do I have to do this in the game here at this level to get to the next level? And it preoccupies, but I don't think it's made me any better. It's probably made me more neurotic. (laughs) Well, I have to say, after speaking to you for this amount of time, I really admire that you're so inquisitive about yourself, you know, whether it comes to career or even like this last question that I asked you, you still have this sense of curiosity to know yourself and ask questions that a lot of people really rarely ask themselves. So kudos to that. Well, thank you. I appreciate you taking the time. All right. Well, take care and speak soon. Take care. Thanks, Monica. Bye.